And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is I. I am the super producer. I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts. He is Justin Juice Cannon. Boom. Boom, baby. Juice, our guest tonight is, again, somebody that you have introduced me to, uh, somebody who works outside of the East Coast, which is where I mainly find myself within indie wrestling, but you are a well-traveled man yourself, and uh, you introduced me to the one MK Bandit. Yeah, uh, he's a great dude. Um, first time I saw him was very first Vegas show I went to, it was the FSW show, and it was uh, Toy Leona and Juicy Finale's last match as um, tag team champs and as part of the MK Army because they turned on him, and they well they turned face by turning on him. And that's actually one of our most popular reels too on our Instagram, but uh, we'll we'll get to that later our instagram where you can watch that reel but yeah mk's mk's the man one of the just dashly heel managers but um he's also just a great dude always nice dude he even said like we didn't like know each other in vegas but he'd always like if i he walked by it just says hi to everyone that's there yeah it definitely seems like a great dude i mean after this interview you know you guys will hear about the passion he brings you know, I, I love talking to people who, who love what they do and are so passionate for it. And it seems like so many people within the wrestling business have passion for wrestling and everything else they do. And MK does so much shit. Like he is a very talented man, a well-traveled man. And, you know, I don't even think I want to hold you back from this interview any longer. I think I want you to meet the man. So ladies and gentlemen, here is MK Bandit. Hello, Top of the Cage listeners. I am Juice, joined by my co-host, Bill, and we have a special guest this episode. The MK Bandit himself is here to talk to us and just give us an insider look on all things managing and just so many other aspects of wrestling because he just does everything. <laughs> it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Of course, MK. We'll just start with the simple question uh you sent us your little uh, background and you just do everything not just wrestling you do so many things in wrestling owning managing commentating announcing but you're also an engineer you commentate football and basketball how do you how do you balance all that how do you swing it you know it's, it's really difficult um first of all you have to have a passion for everything you do uh the thing that i love about all the all the businesses and the entities that uh, I'm involved in is I have a passion to do it from a very young age. And, 
and I don't feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm having fun. So it's like going from one part of fun to the other. Now there are bad days and good days in anything, but for, for really, you know, engineering is a passion of mine. Uh, sports is a passion of mine completely and hundred percent. So it's great to be paid to do something that you love. And so honestly, once you, once you have that, it's very easy for me to go from here to working on um, um, uh, a promotion to working on my character or things like that, because I love it all. It's all part of the process and it's a lot of fun. And, and I mean, I can only hope that there's other people out there that have as much fun with life as I do. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I myself actually produce podcasts outside of doing this podcast, just this one. And I completely agree. Like I, I caught that podcasting bug and it's just something that I have passion for and just something that, you know, keeps me fulfilled, keeps me entertained. I mean, I actually myself, I'm an engineer too. A uh, little less passionate about, but uh, the podcast and stuff, I love it. On the hierarchy of fun things, engineering isn't at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, I you can definitely attest to that too, I'm sure. But yeah, like just like you were saying though, like just hearing about how much passion you have for these things is great. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, as a commentator for the University of Utah football, you know, you have passion for that. So we just wanted to ask quick too, what you think they're going to do for the end of the year? How will they do? Um, I'll tell you right now, um, I really think this is just my own opinion, seeing what they did to Oregon twice last year, where you've got, you know, they, they beat them. What was it? 72 in two games, 72 to 14 or something like that. A lot of time teams get snake bit. And a lot of the players this year on the Oregon team were on that team last year. And so it's almost like if there's one thing that goes wrong or Utah does something extremely well, the team tends to be like, here we go again. And so if Utah can just keep the mistakes to a minimum, um, I just don't think they can recover because they're playing such a team, but if they can keep the mistakes to a minimum, I really think they're going to run away with this. I, I really think that they're, 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 they've just, the, the teams match up. To give you a quick analogy, George Foreman fought Joe Frazier and their styles mesh so much, he wiped him out in two rounds in the first fight and five rounds in the second fight. But then Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, go to three, a 15-round, a 12-round, a 15-round fight, their, their styles mesh. I really think that Oregon's offense and Utah's defense and vice versa mesh to the point it's in the advantage to Utah. So I think Utah's going to win. I think they're going to play USC in the Pac-12 championship game. I think they're going to beat them, and I think they're going to play someone. In, well, obviously they'll play someone, but I think they're going to play um, in the Rose Bowl. and too far to call how they're going to do there but i really think that's their plan when they play usc again last time they played it was only one point win right yeah it was just a two-point conversion yep if you look at same season rematches uh the percentage is not in their favor but i really feel that that they were kind of caught off guard by their offense and the usc offense really exposed their defense and they had a real uh trouble the next couple of games after that until they were able to figure out what they were doing wrong and kind of correct it. So I really think that number one in that first game, um, you had our defensive coordinator, Morgan Scali, being outcoached and outmaneuvered. I don't think that's going to happen again. And so I really believe that they're going to beat them probably by seven to 10 points. I mean, fair enough. I mean, you know more than I do about it. You know, I do love college football. Mainly, I just, even though we're a wrestling podcast, I wanted to bring it up Utah because, um, one, I said I'm a college football fan, football fan in general. 
too, Utah was like the first team. Um, I think first time I played the NCAA video games, the t- team I coached first was Utah. There you go. <laughs> you remember what year that was? Uh, NCAA 14, the very last NCAA game. Yeah, so they had they had a decent team then. Not too good, not too bad. They were in the Pac-12, so I remember that year. Yeah. Yeah, I think their overall was like it was a uh, it was pretty well. I think I like it, it didn't take long to like rebound them because sometimes I used to pick UMass Amherst because I went there one year and they were really bad. So like <laughs> coaching them, that's like multiple seasons of rebuilding. While Utah is like, yeah, Utah season. reloads now. <laughs> yeah, well, Utah, I, I think very first season I got into the top twenty-five. It took me like three seasons with UMass. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Back well now really started in wrestling. So how is it different? I mean, obviously managers in wrestling, they usually have very similar training, but how did you always know you wanted to manage or is there any part of you that wanted to go in wrestling? I was very happy being a ring announcer. I started doing commentary and ring announcing. Um, I was very happy being uh, a ring announcer. I loved it. I mean, I was getting paid to go out and um, I was being paid as much as workers to go out and just ring announce. And so I was very happy doing that. And you know, I, I was a little bit about my background is I was a I was a child actor and a child um, performer. And so I had a little bit of background of, of knowing how to talk in front of a camera, stuff like that. So when the opportunity came where a promoter came to me and said, hey, the guy who was supposed to play the bad guy attorney, he's not showing up. And you're the only other guy here in a suit. I'll handle ring announcing. Can you do this? And, you know, being a wrestling fan, that's everybody's dream to be pulled off of the bench. And I figured it was a one and done. And I did it and and was good enough at it that they asked me back. And just like you were saying, you get the podcast bug. I was like, I'm never going back to ring announcing again. And that's how it happened. And then as time goes on, you realize that in order to be a decent manager, you have to be trained as a wrestler. You have to work as a wrestler and you have to learn the business. Um, and and that's what I did. And, I, and then you realize you got to put your body in shape to take the proper bumps you're going to get bumped around. And if you don't, then you're doing something wrong. So I put my shape, my body in shape to take those bumps. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm constantly learning. I'm, 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 you know, the best part about uh, wrestling is every, every match, I learn something different. Every promo, I figure, I, I figure I can do something better. And it's a con it's, 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 it's something that I, I'm never going to know everything about. And so I love it because I'm always learning Short answer. That's a long answer to no. I didn't realize I was going to be a manager, but now that I am, I love it. So if somebody is coming up in the wrestling world as a manager right now, what are some of the important things that people should remember when they are a manager? The first thing um, before you do anything is, is you have to be trained as a wrestler. You, the, 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 you absolutely have to understand what goes on in the, in the ring. And I don't mean trained as do a proper hip toss and learn how to take a pile driver. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ring psychology, shine, heat, comeback, finish, understand hot tags, understand the psychology behind it. Understand that your job in there is is to be basically the ring post until you're needed. And you are to forward a storyline and the story the wrestlers are telling. You're not a participant until that time you're needed. That's number one. So understand your role, but you've got to be trained. You absolutely have to be trained. Number two. Be disciplined, and your best asset to the person you're working with is your mouth. You're the mouthpiece of that person, and so that you have to be disciplined. And you got to find professional wrestling, 
in everyday things and cut a promo on it. Every day, that person in the office bothers you or you see a conflict between two people. Imagine a pro wrestling scenario between that and cut a promo while you're in the bathroom or while you're in the car. People got to think I'm crazy because I'm going down the road cutting promos about stuff I saw that day because you're going to be called upon to do that. You're going to be put with something you know nothing about and you've got to be called. And the last advice I, I give you is you have to watch J.J. Dillon. You have to watch Gary Hart and you have to watch Bobby Heenan. You watch those three guys and understand what they're trying to do. And I don't just mean watch and memorize the line. Understand what they're trying to do with each promo. If you can do that, you will be a proper manager. And you just named three of the greatest managers that have ever existed within the world of professional wrestling. I mean, guys like that are, are people that I find inspiration in. You know, I, I'm definitely a big manager guy. Love seeing those old clips of those guys. Unfortunately, a little oh, bit yeah. before my time, all of them, but um, you know, I, I, even right now with Paul Heyman, like Paul Heyman to me is kind of like that guy, you know, he, yeah. he knows what to say. He knows how to make his guys look good. He, he knows how to make the other person, you know, put them over, but at the same time, bury them a little bit, you know, it's, it's incredible to see them work. Oh yeah. Paulie is amazing. Um, I, I, I love what he does, but I, I'm going to tell you, right. This is just being honest. He's Einstein. You know, and I'm working down here. So it takes, it's not that, not that JJ Dillon and not that Gary Hart and Bobby Heenan were, were, were not working at that level. I think they were playing a little bit to a different audience. And so it's, it's more of that Saturday morning type audience that's more something I can understand. Paul Heyman's, he's, it's like when you watch him work to try and figure out why he says things and how he does things you might as well be trying to figure out how Einstein figured out relativity. I mean, he is the man to give, you know, proper credit where proper is due. I am a firm believer that without Paul Heyman, there would pro wrestling would have gone the way of roller derby. There would be no professional wrestling Had ECW not hit at that time. And had he not changed the presentation of the business, there would be no attitude era and there would be no pro wrestling. Now, you know, it would basically be, it would have gone the way of the old roller derby would have just died a slow painful death that's a really good point actually i i am somebody who kind of grew up at the end of 90s wrestling and yeah like he really brought the violence the the hard-hitting action and even in a way like the athleticism i mean you saw guys like sabu and rob van dam like those those are two guys i think many many wrestlers the guys you see now are putting on these great technical matches athletic matches say yeah those are two of the guys that inspired me to kind of be the wrestler i am today oh yeah i mean and the thing that, 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 that people tend to forget, because, you know, when you think of ECW, you tend to think of the chair shots and the this and then that, the other thing. But what people forget, and if those of you have the WWE Network, you know, abroad, or if you um, watch on Peacock, the storytelling was what made those characters. When you had Jerry Lynn and you had Rob Van Dam, people forget that they were fighting over who was the next big thing. So it was, if you remember, it was, you know, Rob Van Dam, um, the whole fucking show. And then it was Jerry Lynn, the new fucking show. So they were in a battle for dominance of being the next guy. So there was a storyline there. It wasn't just two guys doing crazy stuff. There was a reason why they were doing, it, you know, and then you had and, and you had Jerry Lynn fighting for the ECW fan 
And you had Rob Van Dam, Mr. Monday Night, going on Monday Night Raw saying this is just an indie place and Monday Night's where it's at. So you you had that that storyline. There was what made those matches so good. So people who don't understand that really are cheated of the real. They see they see the sizzle, but they're not eating the steak. And ultimately, that's what pro wrestling is. It's storytelling. And if you're not telling a story, then you're doing it wrong. We definitely uh, say that just over and over again. It's all about storytelling, the characters, and less about the, I mean, obviously the in-ring action is great, but it's not about flips and stuff and what you can do. It's about telling the story and nuances to tell that. Uh, going back a little bit, I mean, we brought up Paul Heyman, obviously. We brought up the the three guys you just said, uh, Dylan, Heenan, and Hart. Who do you think is the greatest wrestling manager of all time? You know, I think, you know, it's hard to compare people of different eras, but I would say of modern history, and what I mean by modern history is I'm talking, we're not going to go back to the 50s to the Grand Wizard of Wrestling or something like that. You know, great guy, but... It's hard to compare people to different eras. For me, it, 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 in, with, without a doubt, you would have to look at someone like Gary Hart. And I'll tell you why. It wasn't so much what he, he knew the business from the, the, the behind the scenes. He ran, he agented. He was such a good hand to WCCW and then the WCW that, in my opinion, he was the best the best manager, like overall. But when you talk in front of the camera, Bobby Heenan. No, that's fair. I mean, and the the list of clientele that Heenan also managed to, I mean, just really puts that repertoire so much higher than than so many other people. And it's so funny that like we're talking about, you know, a lot of a lot of heel managers, because real rarely in wrestling we see that uh faces might have a manager for like a match or two, but you know, you don't really see it often you know in terms of like storytelling and just as a manager yourself why do you think faces having managers is never really long term um i think because you know you know there's that there's that whole thing that that uh the army of one a, a good hero when you really think about it if you if you think about that sergeant york it's the last guy standing it's the the last guy in the battlefield it's the i'm the last guy fighting for the rights of the whatever You've you've got you've got that mentality. When you bring in another entity, unless there may be a tag team, but 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 manager and and face manager and face face <laughs> face wrestler, in my opinion, doesn't work because you don't have the army of one mentality. Um, and that's that's why I think that it kind of goes. Whereas if you're see, here's what it boils down to. As a heel, I have to throw as many obstacles in front of the ordinary guy for him to overcome those obstacles. Because without Lex Luthor, what would Superman be doing? You know what? Solving crimes like, Oh, he caught that. He caught the car thief. He cares. But when you have that threat of world domination and and you've got this whole horde of Lex Luthor's this and the kryptonite that you've just taken a guy that can fly and made him a superhero. The job as a heel is to take my guy, project the heat that I get onto him and make the face look superhuman. So when you take a a guy, a manager and put him with a face, it's going to be hard for me to elevate him because anything I do is going to really take away from his heroism. 
Meaning if he's out there getting his ass kicked and I run in there and pull the guy off him, he's a pussy. And, and people are going to go, why didn't he just hook up? But if, if I'm a heel and my guy's getting beat up and, and I, I yank the guy off him, the tone, now listen to the difference in tone. That guy's a pussy. Hey, that guy's a pussy. Don't let him do that. It's, but it's the same action. And I think that's kind of why the, the, face, the face worker and face manager has a real short half-life. And, that, and that's what they tried to do. They tried to do that with Sonny. You know, Sonny, Sonny, Missy Hyatt are natural heels. They were heel valets, and they tried to put them with, they tried to make them pretty, pretty women, which they were, and faces, and it didn't really work because anything that they did to elevate their guys made their guys look like, why are you relying on a woman to help you out? That's a great point, because that also reminds me of Miss Elizabeth, too, in this short, yeah. like... Like it just takes away from Randy and then it just doesn't hit the same. No, it doesn't. And, and that's the other thing too, is like what they try to do with Miss Elizabeth is always put her in peril. And she was always the damsel in distress. And then, but, and, and that's that. And then, and then Macho Man had to save her, which, which again, like I said, is a good way of doing that. But I, I don't see myself in that role. I'm not a small guy, six foot two, 240. I'm not going to go, Hey, don't hurt me. Yeah, and have someone save me. Although that would be pretty woke and progressive. You know, that would be pretty woke and progressive is to put the big guy in there with this, with the little 130 pound female worker that comes and saves me. I mean, it could happen. I, hey, I, you know, stranger things have happened to the rest of the world. Another big part of a, of a manager's appeal too is, you know, you're working ringside too. And that, you know, involves getting the crowd involved, um, you know, getting interactions with fans. Do you have any like standout moments uh, with a fan or any interactions that are uh, memorable for you? Oh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's too, too many to state, but coming up when I was in Lubbock, Texas, um, it was one of those things where the bad guy attorney turns the tables on the promotion and he's going to now be the referee for the big heavyweight championship match. And he's doing the quick counts and the slow counts, you know, when his guy's down type of thing. And this old lady hopped over the guardrail because um, they had, I'd taken a bump, they'd throw me out of the ring and she jumped on my back. Like, you know, you know, like, like the big brother type thing. And I'm like, what? what's going on? And another fan had to come out and take her off. And she was like screaming and yelling. And I, I remember, I, and, 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 and so that was when I was coming up. So that was like 10 years ago. And right then I went, Oh, okay. I got to do more of that. Whatever I did, I got to do more of that. And then the other time that I will never, ever forget is, is I was doing the federal director gimmick with Tommy dreamer in um, house of hardcore. And we're in the ECW arena, packed to the gills like the old days. And Dreamers fighting Joey Mercury in a, in a, uh, a first blood match. So, so I get out there and cut a promo. Donald Trump sent me. And, you know, I don't like violence. And, and if the first hint of blood, I'm going to stop this match. And, you know, so sure enough, you know, ref bump, Joey Mercury's bleeding from his mouth. And everybody's looking to me like match is over, right? And I just sat there. 
So then, of course, all hell breaks loose. And then, you know, uh, Nick Aldis comes out. They they wipe the boat off Joy Mercury. Shane Douglas turns on. Um, Shane Douglas comes out. Looks like he's going to save everybody. He turns on Dreamer. You know, you know, it just goes. The whole place goes nuts. Dreamer ends up bleeding. Everybody's beating up Dreamer. I run into the ring. We all we all do this type of thing. And there was just anything lying around was thrown into the ring. And then what freaked me out more than anything is they picked up the guardrails and, and like all they had was them zip tied. Okay. Together. They just had them zip tied. So when they moved the guardrails, all four guardrails moved to the ring and people were getting up trying to get on the apron and Atlas security, you know, those guys, the real guys had to come and pull them away. Now dreamer had told me, we don't want you right now associated with any one wrestler or faction. So you wait until they go through and then you go into the entrance like anybody else. So they all leave. And then I have to go by myself through Philly crowd to get to the back. They were, it was, it was, it was Atlas security put themselves around me and just stuff was flying. And when I got through the, when I, when I got through the back, the first person I saw was Bubba and he, and he, he goes, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do belong in pro wrestling. That is some like top tier heel shit right there. Like that, was <laughs> like if I was the performer in that scenario, I would just be like, hell fucking yeah. We fucking did that. Oh yeah. Well, when you, and the thing about it is when you rewatch, if you watch it, I think it was how the court, House of Hardcore 36 or 37. When you rewatch that, when they, the camera followed me to the back and the look on my face, I was trying not to show that I was afraid, but I really was afraid. And I try to invoke that feeling again because it was the perfect look of me kind of looking around like, holy shit. And, and it's something that I, I remember on and I try and bring up at the right moments. So, uh, I mean, you brought up, you just brought up Bubba and your time in-house hardcore and working with guys like Tommy, Bubba, and Mercury. How was it managing uh, uh, Bubba Ray, which I think is perfect that you do manage him because I even my background, I have my Bubba Ray table, signed table. There you go. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I owe almost everything I am to, to Bubba because that time in Destiny that I then when he when he became world champion, it was his fifth world champion, um, I didn't know shit. Well, I still don't know shit. I'm nobody, but I knew even less back then. Um, and he, he, you don't, you don't have to ask Bubba where you stand with him. He doesn't play the pro wrestling politics. If you fuck up, he's going to tell you, he will let you know. But the thing about it is it comes, it comes from a place of love for you and the business. He is only telling you that to elevate you to elevate the business because he doesn't want to be associated with a bad indie guy. So it's, he sees it as his job to bring you from where you are from here to there. So he is always going to tell you the way it is. And it's not just, Hey, you screwed up. You're an idiot. It's not that he's ever said that to me, but, but, but he, he'll say you should have, when you did this, one of the things that he taught me that was very, very valuable is when I first came out as a manager, I would jaw jack with the crowd, which is okay, but I did it too much. 
Bubba was the one that in the back got very upset with me during a match in Albuquerque and said, your time to jaw jack is when you're coming from the entrance to the ring. And then all you're doing outside of the ring is, is, is heightening what's going on there. And every once in a while, if you want to turn and say something to him, that's fine. But you're really there that when your guy gets hit in the head, you go, oh, 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 you grab it. That's what you're doing. So that if people are focusing on you, you're basically telling them what's going on there. And that was so valuable because up until that time, I kind of had that attitude like I would watch a guy like Fonzie, who was very unique. Fonzie's style cannot be done by anybody where you're just blowing a whistle and going crazy. That's not a style that I could do. And I don't think that style would really work today, especially at an indie level. And so Bubba taught me so much. Bubba also was the one that taught, taught me that he said this, and, and I'm going to say it here, and, and, and I hope your fans aren't offended. But what he said about a heel cutoff, when you do a heel cutoff, it should be like you're masturbating and you're just about to come and your mom walks in the room. And when he told me that, it literally all came together up here. Like, yes, I get it. And this is, so I, when my timing has to be that perfect. When I jump up on the apron or I grab the referee's leg, the fans have got to be just ready to come. And you just, your mom opened that door. That, that might be one of the best analogies I've heard for anything ever. Yeah, it's also one of the best just uh, lines spoken on this show ever. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it, it, it does it not describe a heel cutoff? It does. It's it. Bill's right. It's a perfect analogy. It's um, I just didn't expect you to go there, even yeah. when you said don't be offended. That's not where I expected it. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I yeah. mean, talking about things you learned from Bubba. But also, let's go more managing people that uh, more recent. So you managed MK Army, yep. both currently and, of course, the last iteration with uh, Leona and yeah. for now. Yeah. So how how was the MK Army formed and how's the how's the old one formed and how's the the new guys? Uh, Ma, is it Mana and Koa? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yep, AJ Mana and, and Koa. I'm of the opinion that it's best to have a band of, especially at the indie level, you should have a, a faction or a band of bad guys. And the reason why is very practical because I can't always be at every indie show. They can't always be at every indie show. But if you have two or three guys, you can always have that storyline going. I'm an I, I am I am a huge KISS fan, as as anybody that knows me knows. And Joe DeFalco, the promoter, said, well, we were going from we were going from the heel factory to what do we do? And it's like, I don't don't know. And he he came up and said, let's do like the MK Army, like like the Kiss Army. Let's do that. And I'm going to put you with these guys. And the original original was uh, was Juicy um, Toa and Tito Escondido. And then Tito, of course, goes to New Japan. So left me with Juicy and Toa. And they were just the best to work with. I mean, honestly. And, and so, you know, when you're with someone, when you have that chemistry and we worked so well together and what I really liked about working with them more than anything 
is not only are they legit scary individuals, like they will, they will like snap you in half, but the fans want to like them. But they don't because of not necessarily what they're doing, but what I'm making them do. So when they eventually see the air in their ways and beat me up like they did, the fans, it's finally, I can like these guys. Oh, it's so great. You know what I mean? They, they don't have a complete disdain for them. It's I do the bad things. I put them in positions to do bad things. So the fans, if they want to like them or like, I want to like them, but they're just, oh, why are they doing that? It's MK. He's the one that's telling them. So when they make that turn, the fans are like, oh, don't you just love this guy? Not unlike Kurt Angle and some of the things that he's done. Do you know what I mean? And they were great to work with. And, and, um, you know, you know, my, my, you know, you know, my job is to elevate them and, and I hope everybody I've worked with, I've, I've elevated them. Um, and now, like I said, AJ Mana and, um, Koa, we're going to be working together, um, in a fatal four way this Sunday in Las Vegas at against all odds. And, um, you know, I've been working with them for about six months now and they're great guys, same chemistry and we'll see what happens. And we are definitely looking forward to that for sure. It should be good. The one that I'm really looking forward to, to be honest with you, if I may, is um, is uh, um, I have a faction in Salt Lake here called the Prophets of Destruction. And um, on December 3rd, the biggest show in Utah history is going to be happening here at Trolley Square. And you're going to have Diamond Dallas Page there, Eric Bischoff. And um, if you look, I, I'm not going to reveal too much. But first of all, you got you got Ray's going to be there. Uh, Ray Lloyd, of course. Um, and um, you've got, you know, Eric Bischoff, DDP, and a lot of these great guys from WCW wrestling generally be there. And the thing that's going to be that's fun is all these people that are there in some way, shape or form I've worked with in the past. And as Manny, the promoter, is putting this together, it's going to be fun to bring little pit, bits and pieces of parts of my feuds with these people to, to put together into one big culmination, which is really fun for me because it's like 12 years of working in the business my paths have crossed with these guys. So, so it'll be fun to work with Glacier again and, and maybe get kicked in the face, or it'll be fun to work with Eric Bischoff again and, and DDP and maybe, maybe punches me or maybe who knows, but the point is, or maybe I get on the point is it's, it's going to be exciting because again, it's all about storytelling. So people who know MK, who know me from destiny, who know me from FSW, if there's going to be a lot of Easter eggs for them to pick up, I'm like, Oh, I remember that type of thing. That's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. That sounds pretty cool, honestly. And just yeah. the fact that you can even say that you've crossed paths with some of those legends, like you just named, I mean, that's wild. So crazy. Well, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been very, I've been very lucky, very lucky. <laughs> well, I think that'll be a good little lead into our last question here, MK. Now, typically uh, a lot of the interviews we do are with in-ring talent, uh, guys who are currently wrestling, but for you, it's a little different because uh, you are a manager. Yeah. So the question is typically a dream match for them. But we're going to ask you, what is a dream wrestler or a tag team or a faction of all time that you wished you could have managed? Well, that's a good one. You know, I think about it all the time. And what I really there's there's it, I'm going to give you two answers. There's like when I look at how good um the, the Dudley boys were in ECW. You had, you had Joel Gertner as their mouthpiece. And then you had sign guy as, as the hype man. You know what I mean? And then you had 
you had Bubba Ray and Devon as the talent in the ring in spite, you know, and, and what I would love to have done is back in that day, been a part of that in some way, doing something, you know, I don't know what I would have done, but do something, maybe their legal representation or something like that. I would have loved to have done something like that in ECW, especially, you know, I was there at the Hera arena with the infamous, you know, you know, <laughs> promo and I've done so many homages to that. I would have, I would have loved to have done that. And then, but the one dream match, I know this sounds really weird is that I never was able to work with new Jack. I was always on the other side of New Jack. It was always me and so-and-so versus new Jack, me and so-and-so versus new Jack. You know what I mean? Or he was on the show and I did, I would have, I would have absolutely loved. And I know he didn't have a manager and I know, but that's what I think would have been great is if I could have been with New Jack, it would have been really funny to have this. It would be almost like Gary Hart and Abdul the Butcher in WCCW where you have this wild man and then you have the straight guy that's trying to control the wild man. You could have a modern day urban type, you know, where you've got the white guy attorney, you know, almost an OJ Simpson and his legal team type of thing going on there. And, and, um, I, I just wish I could have done that. And, and, and cause Jack was always so good to me. He's such a sweetheart. He was always nice to me. And I would have loved to have worked with him on that level. That's two great unique teams too. Um, and, and new Jack too. I mean, actually, you know, for, for everything they always say about him, I feel like I've always heard too, like just people say that he was a good guy, like, you know, behind the scenes and uh, you know, nothing usually too, too bad. He doesn't owe me anything. He does, I was, I am an indie guy. Haven't been anywhere, haven't done anything. And New Jack's been everywhere. He always treated me with respect in every match we ever worked. He made it sure that, 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 that I was taken care of. Was he stiff? Yes. But but how do you not be stiff with a, with a toy dinosaur? And you whack someone on the head with it. I mean, you know, let's be real. Either you make it look like shit or you club him. Did I live? Yeah. Did it tickle? No. But am I happy to take it? Hell yeah. You know, and he was always, so I don't know what happened with those people. I can only speak about my experience. He was always professional. He was always nice. And it was always business, business, business. Now, everyone that you just named are all uh, inactive wrestlers. So usually this question is a part two, if the wrestler says they're dreaming yeah. to somebody from back in the day. So a current active wrestler tag team or faction, and they can be, you know, within a company or they can be an indie guy too. Um, same question, but with somebody that's current. Okay. You know, I've been, this is the thing I've been, um, what I would really like to happen. What I'd really like to happen is um, me and Sam Adonis have been feuding with psycho clown for almost three years. now. He is, another like tremendous athlete. I mean, to me, unbelievably storyteller, unbelievably moves smart. I would love to be on, be, be part of psycho circus. If I could go to AAA right now and Conan said, what do you want to do? Write your own ticket. I would be like, put me with Pagano, put me with, with psycho clown. I want to be that I'll be whatever you want me to do. I'll be the court jester, whatever, but I'd love to work with psycho clown. As is because, like I said, once again, I'm always working against him, which is fun, but I want to work with him. 
I'll be honest. Uh, we we actually had a conversation not too long ago with one of our guests about um, like AAA. I know who Cyclone is, and like definitely have seen clips online. But I'm not I'm not the biggest follower of AAA. But um, that seems really interesting, and like definitely a name that you don't hear very often for for something like that. Let me tell you something about Cyclone. How awesome this guy is. Okay, if I may, do I have time? Okay, of course. Me and Sam against Psycho Clown in Dallas. We were following up on a big feud that we started in Canada, New Jersey. Now you got to understand, this is in this is during like it would have been September of twenty, so things are just opening up. Okay, we're we're, we're we have a match. Now remember, this is a pandemic still going on, still fresh. People wearing masks and crap. We're out there working. Him and Sam put together. A tremendous match. They worked outside in the crowd bleeding during a pandemic. And at one point, his mask is ripped. He's bleeding. Sam takes his head and goes boom against the wall. And you guys remember Fight Club where you saw the, the face? It was, and I'm looking at this thing as, and you just see this blood dripping down the wall. And I'm like, who else in this day and age? has that much dedication and no fear to put yourself in, put the business in front of yourself and give these fans something super special. That's the type of person he is. Yeah. He's one of the few AAA guys. I, I do know. I even actually have a eight by 10 signed photo of him. That's awesome. And that's all I hear about AAA or when I, on the, when I do watch AAA, they have so many guys like that, that, lay it all on the line in order to entertain. And they know that that's mainly what they are. They are entertainers. They're, I mean, of course, wrestlers, there's the athlete side. They are athletes, but they're entertainers first. I mean, we already yeah. said it. It's all about storytelling and telling the story. No one tells a better story right now than La Empresa versus Psycho Circus. If you're not familiar with it, I invite the fans to kind of follow that storyline and that faction. It's, 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 it's amazing storytelling. It's, it's, um, Again, like I said, let's just be the, the moves and everything are great. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not one of those anti-flippy guys. I, I, there's, there's, there's room in the zoo for every animal. Okay. Matt Robles personally, MK Bennett personally loves the storytelling. And I like the combination of storytelling. And that's what you're getting in, in AAA. Right, awesome. Thank you, MK. I think that's time to wrap it up. Is there anything else? I mean, thank you for coming in today. And there is anything you want to plug and promote socials or upcoming shows? Yeah. Um, um, real quick. Um, look for me on social media. I'm at the MK bandit and then Matthew Robles, my shoot name, um, the Facebook. Um, I'm going to be performing this Sunday um, in FSW, but the big show that, that I think everybody uh, should be looking forward to is December 3rd here in Salt Lake City at Trolley Square, um, Devotion Championship Wrestling. You've got Eric Bischoff. You've got Glacier. You've got uh, 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 DDP, Frankie Chiazzo, Sin Bodhi. They're all going to be there. It's a stacked card. It's the fourth anniversary. Everybody go. And then uh, lastly, McNeil Engineering is where I work. We support. We're actually now with the NIL name, image, and likeness supporting two guys. Watch them. They're going to be in the NFL. They're going to be top stars. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson, the running back, quarterback, running back, and Keaton Bills, the left guard. Watch them. University of Utah football. All right.
we will definitely be watching them. Uh, we Thank are definitely you. people who, especially because we're both big fantasy guys, we like looking at the rookies and seeing people. Oh, I'm telling you, they're going to be, they, they will be in the NFL and they're going to succeed. Very nice. All right, MK. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Okay, that was MK Bandit himself. And that was a really informed, well, it's really fun chat with just one of my great favorite lines we've ever had. But uh, also, just really informative. We really get a deep dive into managing something that we really haven't went into that much in interviews or even just normal podcast episodes. So it was great to really get a handle on that and learn more about it from an expert, a guy I could consider an expert. I mean, guys managed all over the Indies. He's done so much. And he's also learned under some of the best names in the business, like Bubba and uh, Tommy Dreamer and guys like that. Yeah. It, he actually, he dropped two good lines. I want to say the two good lines. First off, that masturbating line was fucking hilarious. Like we had our mics muted, so you couldn't hear us laughing, but I was howling. Like I thought that was so funny because like, I didn't know what to expect because he was like, I don't want to offend anybody by saying this. So I was like, like, Jesus, what's about this? What's about to be said on the podcast? And then he said that <laughs> I fucking lost my shit. But I also like the analogy that he used for wrestling being for everybody, that there's enough animals in the zoo. And I, like, you know, like, again, like, that's a phrase that I haven't heard, but we always say it all the time. You know, there's something in wrestling for everybody. And I think MK, you know, really personifies that to just, um, you know, always a great manager. And he's worked so many different facets of the business with so many different people in the business. Like, you just can't deny just the talent and experience that MK has. And truly, it was an honor to have him on. And I really hope that we can have him on again soon. But for now... Ladies and gentlemen, you can keep up with MK Bandit on his social as well as will be linked in the show notes. But you can also talk to us on social media too. Juice teased it a little bit in the beginning with our Instagram. So Juice, why don't you let the people know where they can find us on social media? Yeah, on Insta at, uh, well, I usually start with Twitter. I'm just getting spinned around here. Twitter, I'll start with Twitter at. Capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. Instagram, where you can see that reel of MK just getting uh, beat up by just two meaty men used to manage. T-O-T-C, underscore, P-O-D, all lowercase. Follow us, interact with us, um, do do it all. Do all the things, yes. And as we come crashing down to the map, on this episode of top of the cage we want to thank you all so much for tuning in and if you are listening to us on apple or spotify and you do not leave us a five-star review that means that you specifically you that person not leaving us that five-star review will not get five-star content and that is just a fact fact and again thank you all so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time